How's it going, everybody? Welcome back into the latest episode of Quick Hits. My name is Blake Pace. It is Tuesday, November 10th. Two podcasts, two days in a row. Make sure if you're a college football fanatic that you listen to yesterday's episode, uh, recapping week 10 of the college football season. A lot of fun nuggets in there as we add that show on a weekly basis. Doing so moves our NFL recaps to Tuesday now to uh, be able to encapsulate also Monday Night Football. Um, so we're going to go through each game of week nine from the NFL season, news and notes, uh, where I was right, where I was wrong, where are some of these teams standing at as we approach the, uh, you know, as we get further into the second half of the NFL season and this playoff picture starts to take form. Uh, say it at the beginning of every show, say it again, please go show your support for quick hits if you appreciate uh, listening and the work that I do. Um, you know, like, subscribe, leave a five-star review on the channel. Um, I, I really appreciate all the uh, positivity for the show. Um, so I'm going to go through game by game, give you some updates here, uh, and we'll move on to the rest of the week. Not sure what the third podcast of the week is going to look like. I might save it for Thursday, um, and then we'll have Teddy back on for week 10 picks against the spread for this upcoming week. It was a, it was a meh week for both of us. Um, well, it was actually... I got to change that. You know, it wasn't, it didn't end up being a great week for Teddy. Um, and it wasn't a fantastic one for me. I, I did finish above 500. Uh, so we'll try and pull ourselves back out there. We disagreed on a lot this past week and, you know, uh, just a few games, um, a few more games for me swung in my favor than they did for him. So let's go through each game. Let's start off with Thursday night football. I've been neglecting Thursday night football all year. Um, I've, I've been realizing that because on the Friday pod with Teddy, we don't really discuss Thursday night football. So uh, I apologize for neglecting that one game of the week throughout this point in the season. Uh, this Thursday night, it was the Packers versus the 49ers. The Packers won it 34-17. to um, I envisioned it being a little bit closer of a game. Um, to be honest, I going in, I just... You take a look at what San Francisco was able to do last year against the Packers, um, just dominating in the ground game keeping Aaron Rodgers off the field, really suffocating their run game, and and really just uh, Kyle Shanahan had been dominating Matt LaFleur uh, last year on both occasions. So yeah, the, the injuries were concerning, but I didn't think it would be enough to really stop because Kyle, you know, has made it work with with. Uh, lesser talent before and had done so a few weeks this season um, you know and so I expected it to be close I didn't love that the Packers still have yet to fix their run defense um, and so I envisioned it being a closer game than it was I gotta hand I gotta give credit to to Rodgers I mean the dude is fucking fantastic if if you try to argue to me that Aaron Rodgers still at this age is not a top three quarterback in football uh, you're flat out lying to yourselves it's Mahomes Wilson and Rodgers he is at the very least, number three, if not a little bit higher. 25 of 31 for 305, four touchdowns, no picks. An absolute monster of a game. Uh, look, they did shut down. Uh, San Francisco was able to handle uh, Green Bay's rush attack. Of course, they're missing some guys in there like a Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon. They, they had a, a limited Aaron Jones who was a little bit banged up. Uh, 15 carries, 58 yards, so still got some production out of him. And Jesus, you know, Devontae Adams is, is a freak of nature at the receiver position. 10 catches, 173 yards, one touchdown on 12 targets. I mean, that's it, the funny thing is, is that every defense knows that he is going to get double digit targets each week, and he still is able to pull in 10 catches um, or in, you know, a ton of yards, a bunch of touchdowns. The, the duo between Devontae and Rodgers, it, it, it's just terrific. I still just desperately wish that they would have done more. Um, before the trade deadline to help out that run defense, get in like a Car uh, Carlos Dunlap who ended up going to um, Seattle instead. I would have loved to see you know a wide receiver too like Will Fuller. They stood pat. Hopefully they can make it work this year. Um, still have my concerns with them. I, I I do think that they're one of the better teams in the NFC, uh, but you know we've kind of seen these teams now all beat up on each other a little bit, so it's confusing to think of like to project in the postseason how things are going to go. You know New Orleans. Has, and we'll talk about that game later on, has embarrassed Tampa Bay twice now. And Tampa came out and destroyed Green Bay. But I really think that Green Bay against New Orleans, Green Bay wins that shootout. And then you throw in Seattle into the mix. The NFC playoff picture is, is confusing for me right now. I still don't have a, a good sense of it as I thought I did a couple weeks ago. Um, so for the 49ers, 
competitive uh, in the fourth quarter, um, but really, you know, only three points of the first 45 minutes of that game. Um, interesting decisions coming up in the offseason for him at the quarterback position. I, I think this is more of just a let's get a higher draft pick. Um, our division is extremely competitive this year. There's no shame in having a down year after making it to the Super Bowl last year and dealing with a shit ton of injuries. There's, there's no blame on the 49ers being bad this year the way that they with the card that they've been dealt. Uh, so moving over to the Sunday slate, uh, Matt Ryan improved to 10-3 against the AFC West. The Falcons beat the Broncos 34-27. Atlanta now 3-6. Denver falls to 3-5. Um, both of these teams, I, I, you know, both coming off of a win the previous week, Denver being able to uh, beat the Chargers on a last-second touchdown, the Falcons beating the Panthers, who are a very competitive team by eight. It was really tough to get a good feel for this game. Uh, I really thought that Atlanta's defense was bad, and Denver had kind of found something in the second half against the Chargers, where it was like, okay, I'm going to buy into their offense. I did think that the Broncos were going to win. Um, and for Atlanta, you know, especially when Calvin Ridley went down, I was like, man, the Denver defense is no joke at times. So, you know, maybe they'll just keep it close. Um, and it, look, it ended up being a close game. Denver outscored Atlanta uh, 21 to 7 in the fourth quarter to pull within one score. They were close. Uh, gotta, gotta acknowledge Drew Locke has not been great uh, the last few games. Um, he, he turns it up in the fourth quarter. Um, so it's a lot of uh, almost garbage time scores or garbage time plays that make up the majority of his stats. Uh, but still a, a rough completion percentage, 25 of 48, threw for 313, two touchdowns, one pick. Um, also ran seven times, 47 yards and a touchdown. The problem here today for me was they couldn't get anything going in the ground game. I mean, Drew Locke was their leading rusher. When you have Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon, you need more than 14 carries uh, for, uh, let's, um, oh my God, I'm trying to do math right now, for 41 yards. You need more than that. You need more than that out of Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. Uh, Jerry Judy, really great game. Um, Locke missed him a few times. I mean, you take a look, 14 targets, seven catches, but he looked impressive. Both of these teams... Look, they're not going to be in the playoffs this year. You have to be a little bit optimistic of what you're seeing out of them. I'm more optimistic in Denver right now because you think long-term, whether or not Locke is the guy or not, if, if they don't think Locke is the guy, they're going to have so many options at the quarterback position this offseason with guys being available via trade, uh, guys in the draft. You know, there could be six guys going in the first round. I like Drew Locke. It's, it's a little scary that... Now we've seen it a couple weeks in a row that he can only turn it up when he's down multiple touchdowns and the defense is kind of letting up. Um, so I think uh, he needs to improve certainly through the rest of this season. But you think of the playmakers there. Um, you think about the young guys they have on defense. You know, they'll be getting Von Miller back next year. I'm buying into Denver. They're a competitive team at the very least. And for Atlanta, they've got a lot of decisions to make this year. Obviously, you know, head coach, GM being two of those. They'll have to make a decision on quarterback. Really, wherever both of these teams end up picking in the NFL draft will we'll, um, we'll really get a clear sign of where they're going in terms of do they move on from a quarterback that they currently have? Uh, how do they build around him if they choose to keep moving forward with Matt Ryan and Drew Locke? Two very interesting teams. It was a fun game. Um, a lot of big plays in this one that were just fun to watch. Uh, but Falcons take it. They move to 3-6, 34-27 over the now 3-5 Broncos. Uh, you want to talk about a game that just felt like college football. Two really great teams uh, taking on each other in, in western New York. The Buffalo Bills put up 44 points on the Seattle defense. They moved to 7-2. and two. Uh, Best start, I, I want to say, in, in franchise history. I can't remember exactly. Um, oh, no, sorry. It's uh, the first 7-2 start for the first time since 93. Uh, Seattle, they put up 34 points, but it's not enough. They fall to 6-2. and two. All right. Here's my thing. I, so I was all over the Bills winning this one. I, I just thought, you know, Seattle moving over to the East Coast, the travel, things have been kind of weird. Uh, their defense has been atrocious. Uh, you, look, Seattle, to me, you look at the rest of their schedule, it's, it's very easy. But they're not going to be a 15-1 team. They're not going to be a 14-2 team. So you have to pick the losses along the way. Um, so they lose this one to Buffalo. And, and here's where I stand. Russell Wilson is fantastic. But he can only do so much. I mean, come on. He's not God, Jesus, or whoever you praise at the end of the day. He's not that. You can't ask him to be that. You can't give up the yards that they did on offense. Josh Allen threw for 415 through the air, three touchdowns, no picks, and completed 31 of 38 passes. 
it was so bad that they just said, oh, we don't need to run the football. Their secondary is that atrocious. They, they ran it nine times with Zach Moss. Josh Allen ran it seven times. That was it. They didn't run the ball at all. They didn't have to, and they still put up 44 points. Think about that. Usually if you get a, a late lead, you're running the football. You know, if you're up 24 to 10 in the second half, you're saying, okay, we don't let, let's keep the Seahawks off the field. But they were like, no, we can keep torching these guys and keep putting up points. We can't, we can't give the opportunity for Russell Wilson to creep back in. So they were just like, let's keep passing it. And it, it, it was so easy. Um, this is what I have to say about Seattle. It's, it's, it's a problem. They cannot contend, be legitimate contenders without better production defensively. It's, it's all-time bad on defense right now, what we're seeing out of Seattle. Jamal Adams came back. Look, this year, I don't know if he's trying to figure out a new system and it's taking time. He has been bad. He, he gets pressure on the quarterback, sure, but in the past game, he is a liability. So they got to figure out some things there. I love Pete Carroll. I love Pete Carroll. He is a fantastic human being, um, as well as a coach. Very, very uh, successful in his career. You know, you give him an extension when he's one of the worst defenses in of all time, and, and that's what he's supposed to be. That, that's his bread and butter. Uh, I'm just confused. Like, what? Why are we not going to try and switch things up on defense? Look, I'm not saying you fire him. I get it. But to extend him just because his biggest accomplishment this year has been letting loose on Russell Wilson. It hasn't been anything that he's done specifically instead of take a step back and let Russ cook. We're going to extend him because of that? I'm not saying you fire him. But to extend him just because of the soul, the offense is getting better every year. The defense is getting worse with every year. And your head coach is a defensive-oriented guy. Like That just doesn't make sense to me. Um, on the flip side, the Bills, Josh Allen was great. It was a bad defense. Do I believe that up against Pittsburgh, Kansas City, um, I'm just trying to think of other great defenses, Pittsburgh, Chiefs, Ravens, Colts, I would like to see how they would fare against that defense. I just I, I don't believe at the end of the day we can consider them legit threats. Um, they they looked great offensively. This is one of the deepest one through four wide receiver rooms in all of football, especially with the emergence of Gabriel Davis, who had four catches, seventy yards, and a touchdown yes on Sunday. Really exciting stuff in Buffalo. I still have questions about their own defense, and I have questions about a balanced offense with the rush attack. They didn't need it on Sunday, but they're going to need it eventually when they face tough defenses. So. Not buying into either team as legit Super Bowl threats right now. Um, and really, they, they, they got to show me a little bit more through the rest of the regular season. But a really fun game. Really fun game to watch these teams put up a combined 78 points. It was, it was crazy. All right, let's talk about it. Can't ignore it forever. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens beat the Indianapolis Colts 24-10. to uh, Baltimore's first win in the history of their franchise in Indianapolis. They were a previous... Uh, 0-6 heading into this Sunday. Really, to me, it was the tale of it was a tale of two halves. In the first half, the Colts absolutely dominated the Ravens. Dominated. They had 58 yards of total offense in the first half. And really the only reason it was a close game is because of that Jonathan Taylor fumble that was returned for a touchdown. So the Colts absolutely shut down Baltimore in the first half. Now, did they put up a ton of points? No, they only put up 10 in the first half, which is a problem. You need to get a better lead against great teams. And then in the second half, it was it flipped. It was all good for Baltimore, and it was all bad for Indianapolis. Bad calls, a mistargeting hit, an awful interception call. I am not trying to say that this game was stolen from the Colts because you need to put up more than 10 points in the NFL if you want to win football games, but there were some shitty plays here that, that didn't help them out. Um, I feel confident about the Colts as, as being a team, and we'll find out this Thursday. Uh, they play Tennessee twice in the next three weeks, so we're going to see if they're going to be a wild card team, if they'll win the division. I personally believe they've got a defense that can handle the uh, the Tennessee offense, especially in the. Run. I'm so excited to watch this run defense against Derrick Henry this week, um, but I really do think that the the Tennessee defense has been pretty rough, and I think the Colts will be able to move the ball on them. Um, so. Look, this game was was interesting. It was uh, it was a hard hitting football game. Um, 
I got to give credit to Baltimore for pulling it out in the end. You know, scoring 17 points in the second half, completely shutting out Indy in the second half is huge. Uh, there's a lot of, of small questions I have for the Colts. I'm a little worried about Frank Reich's play calling. I'm a little bit worried about Jonathan Taylor, and we've uh, failed to see him develop. Um, and at the receiver position, I just have questions over why aren't we utilizing you know Michael Pittman a little bit more, things like that. So I'm just I, I'm a I'm, I, I, the Colts are a playoff team. I think they'll win the division over Tennessee. But look, they're not a Super Bowl threat. And and to be honest, I, I can't say that I think Baltimore is either. I really can't. I, I just the AFC is so tough for me because if you're not Kansas City, I don't think that you have a shot. I, I really don't. I know that they have a loss uh, this season. I know the Chiefs, you know, lost to uh, to the Raiders earlier on in the season. I just I don't think that anyone is getting past Kansas City in this playoff picture. So. Um, Really fun game though in Indianapolis. I was uh, it, it was such a fun game. Don't need to talk too much about the Texans Jaguars. Texans win this one 27 to 25. They moved to two and six. Jacksonville falls to one and seven. Texans two and zero against Jacksonville this year. Zero and six against the rest of the league. They've won six straight games at Jacksonville. Um, Deshaun, stay healthy for the rest of the year. Best of luck to you. Don't get hurt. Hopefully the new coach and GM will turn things around for you, give you an offensive line, give you a defense to work with. Maybe don't trade away DeAndre Hopkins if they could go back and redo that. For the Jaguars, look, these, these are two teams that are, are hopeless this season. They're at the bottom of the pack. Uh, there's fun pieces to be excited about in Jacksonville. Uh, you know, James Robinson is a really exciting running back that I like. I love DJ Chark. He had a big game. Jake Lutton actually was pretty impressive. It's the Houston defense, so you've got to give him – you know, you got to understand that a little bit, but 26 of 38 for 304, one touchdown, one pick, not a bad, you know, NFL debut. Um, two bad teams, don't really need to spend a whole lot of time on it. Just please, for the sake of God, like, just please keep Deshaun Watson healthy. We need to, we need to see him have a lengthy career here. Every quarterback on a bad team with a terrible offensive line, it just gives me Awful Andrew Luck vibes where we, we I, I just do not want to miss out on the careers that we deserve from Deshaun Watson, from a guy like Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, I'm just thinking of other quarterbacks around the league with bad offensive lines. But like, let's just try and keep these guys safe. Kyler Murray is another example. Hopefully, you know, Deshaun can live to see another season. Hopefully they can get things turned around in Houston. Chiefs. 33 to 31 over the Carolina Panthers. Kansas City now eight and one. The Panthers fall to three and six. Uh, man, you know the Panthers. You got to give them credit. This is what I. This is what I'm saying. Look, they're now three and six. So we have to acknowledge that the record is not going to be there. They're not pushing for the postseason. Um, maybe they can be a six and ten type team by the end of the year. I projected three and thirteen. So. I'm actually not as far off. I apologize to the Panthers when they were sitting at, I believe, three and two or uh, three and three at one point. I forget what they started off the season. I apologize to them. I said, "Look, I projected you to be a three-win team. It was going to be bad this year. I apologize." I think now I can say that I feel a little bit more comfortable about my projections, just because um, they're exactly what I said. They're not going to have a ton of wins, but they're going to hang around all the good teams. That's what I said from day one. I was all in on Matt Rule and Joe Brady. I thought the Offensive playmakers were so exciting. Um, they got Christian McCaffrey back. They are that team that is going to hang around the good ones. They're going to make it close, um, but they won't be able to pull out the wins. So Carolina, now 3-6. and six. I'm really excited about the future. You just need more talent there. Um, look, Teddy's inconsistent. Teddy is. You just got to say it. He was, he was on yesterday, 36 of 49 for 310 and two touchdowns. Uh, but the game against Atlanta wasn't great. He He's just inconsistent right now. Um, so that's another team. Look, I know you paid him a bunch. I think he's a starting caliber quarterback in this league. But if you're 3-13, and 13, say, say you just lose out the rest of the season, you're sitting at a top five pick, like what do you do at that point? You probably still build around Teddy, but I'm, I'm just thinking you may never be that low again if you're Matt Rule. So if you think that you there's a prospect that you can get, that'll be your quarterback for 15 years. Are you gonna luck into an opportunity like that through the rest of your tenure if you know that you're a good coach and you're gonna build something here? Really interesting to consider. Uh, for the Chiefs, I said it a little bit earlier, I don't think anybody's stopping them. 
I don't think anyone is stopping the Kansas City Chiefs. Now look, we have to acknowledge that the run game is not good. Clyde, five carries, 14 yards. Le'Veon Bell, four carries, eight yards. It's not good. Something's wrong in there, whether it be offensive line play, not seeing the field well from those two. There's too much talent in the run game to not be better than your leading rusher having only 14 yards. So look, in a certain situation, if a team is keeping them off the field, if they can't have a balanced offense, maybe a team could upset them. But defensively um, and in the passing offense, I don't think anybody is going to stop them. I think that we need to recognize Pat Mahomes, when he won MVP two years ago, he was just getting started. He's on pace for right around a 50-touchdown season and two interceptions. He's at 25-1 and one right now. Everyone, it, it, was, it was the amazing season that he had two years ago that he won MVP. People got to realize, he's not even in his prime yet. He is just going to get better. And that is a scary thought. If people thought that was his ceiling two years ago, they are, there were too many turnovers that season. Um, he was trying to do a little bit too much, play some hero ball. Now he is the efficient version of himself. Or he's not. Th he has one interception. And he, and he throws, uh, what is it? And I'm trying to think of the average throws. He threw for 45 times uh, this past week. But he, he throws, he's good for about 30 throws a game. 25 touchdowns and one interception. That is, that's fucking impressive. To me, this is this is the Super Bowl champs. I've already doubled down on their Super Bowl odds. They're eight and one right now. If they stay healthy, they're 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 gonna win a title. There's not a team to me right now that that can sniff close to them. And yeah, some teams will hang around like Carolina. Uh, the Raiders will beat them. There have been some other teams to hang. New England hung around for about two and a half quarters. But when I think I, I think when we get to the postseason. We're going to get another level of Kansas City. I just don't think anybody's stopping them. Another game we don't need to talk a whole lot about. The Lions and the Vikings faced off in Minnesota. Uh, the Vikings emerged victorious, 34-20. Both teams are now 3-5. and five. Uh, Neither team is really pushing for a postseason berth here. Obviously, the Vikings are really rolling the last few weeks. Especially, I, I mean, Dalvin Cook is playing like the best running back in football. Um, which that's not a hot take. I, I hope all of you agree with that. He is the best running back in football right now. I know Kamara is getting all the attention in the world, and it, but to me, oh God, I, I hate when I start comparing these guys on the Saints to the rest of the league because people just think that I'm a Saints hater, but I just think that they have it so easy there having Sean Payton. Like he's one of the best play call designers. Like everything is just open for them. Everything. That's why I was never in on the Michael Thomas is an elite receiver. I think he's really good, but he just he just catches the balls that are thrown to him because he's open. You know, there's not a whole lot of wild plays like you get with Devontae or DK Metcalf. It's just easy plays again and again and again and again. And that's kind of what it is for Kamara. Now, he makes more of his own because a lot of it starts behind the, the line of scrimmage for him. But, I, I mean, Delvin Cook, with a bad offensive line... 22 carries, 206 yards, two touchdowns, two catches for 46 yards. I'll admit he doesn't do as much as Kamara in the past game, but as a pure runner of the football, no one is better than Dalvin Cook right now. Um, and so, you know, the Vikings are rolling a little bit. Kirk Cousins didn't have to do a whole lot through 20 times, 220 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. He was efficient, um, but this team isn't, this team isn't the, you know, sniffing the playoffs. Neither is Detroit. Uh, both teams will be, you know, out of the playoffs. Lots to consider with both their futures. How long will Matt Patricia hang around? How long will Kirk Cousins hang around in Minnesota? Would the Lions, with a high enough pick, want to move off of Matthew Stafford? Like I said, this this free agency, uh, the free agency period this coming offseason, it's going to be weird because the cap is going to be restricted because of just you know loss of revenue because of COVID, but it could get really funky. Something, something we haven't seen probably in the history of football. Um, Vikings win that one by 14. Pretty pretty easy game to uh, to dissect. The Tennessee Titans held on to a narrow victory over the Chicago Bears in Nashville. Uh, they win this one 24-17. Tennessee is now 6-2. The Bears are 5-4. Um, where to go with this one? You know, Tennessee, for as good as their rush attack is at times, they really can't put away teams. Teams just hang around for a little bit too long. Uh, you know, Chicago went 
didn't score a point in the first three quarters and then put up 17 in the fourth to make it a one-possession game. That game should have been over. Um, you take a look at, at the rushing. You know, Derek only averaged 3.2 yards per carry, uh, 21 for 68 yards. It wasn't really that impressive of a showing. Now, Chicago's front is very talented, so I'll, I'll cut him some slack there. But, man, it just they can't put away teams. Tannehill was okay. wasn't great. You know, under 50% completion percentage, 158 yards, but two touchdowns, no picks. I'm just not buying Tennessee. Their defense, here's the thing. We we can acknowledge that the, the Titans' defense is bad while also still acknowledging that Chicago's offense is also atrocious. Like, my takeaway from this game isn't, oh, the Tennessee Titans have finally fixed their defense. It's like, no, the Bears just have a bad offense right now. And so only allowing 17 is, I don't know. There, there's just not a whole lot that I'm buying into right now with the Titans uh, on defense, especially. They have looked, ever since the Pittsburgh game, it's been a little bit questionable. Their defense is not good, uh, especially in the front seven right now. I have questions. Um, and offensively, look, it, it's, it's running the ball and it's play action. Uh, I don't think they faced, you know, they faced a tough Pittsburgh defense. Um, this game on Thursday against the Colts is going to be a, a real deal breaker for how we take a look at Tennessee. Um, and for Chicago now, 5-4, and four, where do you go from here? You know, Nick Foles threw it 52 times, 335 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. David Montgomery couldn't get anything going on the ground. I don't know what to make of the Bears. They hang around teams for, you know, just about every game outside of the Rams this year. They, they, they beat the Buccaneers. They're just a weird team. I don't have a good feeling for what's going on in Chicago. They're 5-4. and four. Could they still push for the postseason? Sure. Let's pull up the schedule. Let's take a look at who they've got coming up. Because they're just one of those teams where it's just like, what are you? You know, there's the whole question, do you go back to Mitch to finish out the year? I don't think that you do. Uh, look at the schedule. you got the Vikings, the Packers, Lions, Texans, Vikings, Jaguars, Packers. Man, they could push for the postseason. You'd have to beat out a team in the AFC West or in the NFC West to get there. Man, I don't know. They they got a pretty easy schedule coming up. They should beat the Vikings at least once. So say they go one and one split with the Vikings. Say they don't win either game against the Packers. So then they're going one and three in those games but then wins over the Lions, Texans, and Jaguars. So that's a 4-3. and three. So they'd finish the year at 9-7. and seven. So it's like, I don't know if 9-7 and seven will get it done in the NFC. So maybe you have to beat Green Bay once. They could be a 10-win team still. The, the schedule really lightens up for them. So maybe, that's, maybe we're just being too judgmental because they're in the meat of their schedule right now. You know, Tampa, the Saints, the Titans, all good teams. Um, so maybe we're just uh, maybe maybe we're we're selling the Bears a little bit uh, too quick right now. Maybe they can turn things around. No need to talk about this game at all either that much. Uh, the Giants beat the Washington Football Team twenty-three to twenty. Giants two and seven. Washington two and six. How about this? Daniel Jones four zero against Washington in his uh, young NFL career. A whopping one and sixteen against everybody else. I was all in on the Giants over Washington this week. To me, they resemble last year's Miami team where it's a good culture being built by the coaching staff. The players love playing for Joe Judge, and they're going to get better each and every week. Now, I don't believe that they will be as successful as Miami is going to turn into, and it won't be as quick um, because I still have more questions with Daniel Jones than I say I would even with Tua right now. Um but they, they're a team that is getting better with every week. I was all over the Giants winning this one. They just seem to be improving the way they hung around Tampa. Each week, they're just starting to get a little bit better. First game in Daniel Jones' career that he didn't have a turnover. That was huge for them to try and hopefully you know fix some of those flaws that they've got. They got a lot on the ground game, too, which was surprising against that Washington front. You know, Wayne Gallman, 68 yards. Alfred Morris, 67. Uh, look. They're, they're, they're slowly getting better and better. Um, and for Washington, Kyle Allen goes down after a 5-7 and seven start. you got to throw in Alex Smith. Uh, he had a three-pick game. Um, 325 yards through the air, though. They couldn't get anything going on the ground. That was, that was the most surprising thing about this game. You know, I don't love the Giants' front seven. I, agree, I do believe 
that Joe Judge has things working for them up there, where they, they just get the most out of their players, just like Miami does, just like New England does. Those three guys, you know, you just take a look. Bill Belichick, Brian Flores, Joe Judge, they just get the most out of whoever is in that front seven. Um, and so that was what was surprising to me is to see Washington has the scary front seven, but it was actually the Giants that dominated the ground game. Uh, you know, Antonio Gibson only, you know, ran for 20 yards, J.D. McKissick 17 yards. Um, now, of course, they did have to go through the air a lot when they were down 20 to 3 at, into the half. So I, I'm, maybe they just weren't, you know, committed to the run game after being down by so much. Almost pulled back within the win. They end up losing that one. Two bad teams. Two will both be picking at the top of this draft. Uh, but I really do like what we're seeing from Joe Judge. These players, this team, they're just getting better with each week. I, I, I would feel really good about the New York Giants outside of Dave Gettleman. You need a new general manager. You just, you, you, you have to. You got to get a new guy in there um, for, for Joe Judge to work with. Because... I just think draft-wise, free agency-wise, we've seen enough out of him to know that it's not going to work. He failed on Andrew Thomas this year. Uh, he had four tackles to choose from, and he picked the worst of the four, maybe even worse of the five if you think of the tackle uh, Jones that the Dolphins drafted. So I think this is, this is desperate need of a new GM so he doesn't get in the way of Joe Judge, but I really like what they're building uh, it, with the Giants right now. And for Washington, look, Ron Rivera said it uh, yesterday, I believe. they got to figure out who their, their franchise quarterback is. Um, and I believe it's someone in this upcoming draft. So they're 2-6 and six now. Um, I don't see a ton of wins coming for them the rest of the way. So we'll see where they end up at the end of this season. Really fun game between the Raiders and Chargers. I'll try and move along a little bit quicker now because we're already at the halfway mark. Fun game between the Raiders and the Chargers. The Chargers have actually lost nine straight games now against AFC West opponents. Um, so not great against their division, not great in general. Here is where I am at with the Chargers. You know I love, love, love Justin Herbert. He was terrific again, 28 of 42, 326 yards, two touchdowns. Just as uh, Dave Gettleman is not the general manager for Joe Judge and the New York Giants, Anthony Lynn is not the head coach for Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers. He, sh he cannot be in the future plans for that much longer. I, I hope that the Chargers are smart this offseason and move away from him. Because we have now seen two years in a row of some of the worst situational football in NFL history for the Chargers. The way that they manage the clock is downright disgusting. It makes me want to throw up. They don't have a good uh, sense of how to manage a game. And so I, I know Herbert looks great, and I know the offense is fantastic, and the defense is injured, so you don't want to like harp on Lynn too much. But I just think you, you found the quarterback. You found the quarterback. The coach is not the fit for him. And I, I pray that this offseason they go in a different direction. Fuck, I mean, if you're Eric Bieniemy, and you just spent your time with Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey... Sammy Watkins, Nicole Hardman. How can you not look at the Chargers offense with Herbert, a young guy on a rookie deal, wide receivers like Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, a tight end like Hunter Henry. How can you not look at that team and say, oh, I can build a, a mini version of what we've got cooking here. I can do a, a, a Kansas City light on the West Coast. Now you stay in the division, so you got to compete with Kansas City. So that's the tough part. It's like you leave for a divisional foe. Um, much like Brian Flores did moving to Miami. But, I mean, isn't that an enticing opportunity if you're, if you're Eric Bieniemy, I think you can have a lot of fun with that offense, especially with a young quarterback that shows a lot of pop like Justin Herbert has. Uh, so I, I spent the first part talking about the Chargers. I need to talk about the Raiders. I said it two weeks ago that this team will be pushing for that final playoff spot. Um, I still believe that to this day. They're now 5-3. and three. We got to give credit to Derek Carr at times. It wasn't great this past week. It wasn't like blows you away. You know, Herbert did look like the more impressive quarterback. But Derek Carr, it, it seems like we need to rewrite the story a little bit. We do have to understand he went through a slew of offen offensive coordinators, uh, head coaches, offensive line talent, playmakers, running backs. He has been the only constant thing for the Raiders organization over the last six or so years. So it's almost like 
hey, now he's finally got a little bit of stability. He actually can build, you know, consistency and he can get comfortable with the offensive system, the offensive line play, his playmakers. He's finally feeling more comfortable with all these guys and he looks good. He's been having a good season. Um, I, I got to pull up the numbers of his last 12 games because this this blew me away when I saw it on, on Twitter the other day. So let me give a credit to whoever sent it to also, uh, whoever put it out. Brad Kelly, great follow on Twitter if you don't follow him yet. His last 12 games for Derek Carr, 70% completion percentage, 3,213 passing yards, 21 touchdowns, two interceptions, and a passer rating of 108.6. That is fantastic. That, those are some great numbers right there. Uh, they have things rolling. The defense, for as little talent as I think is on it, they play physical. They're a hard-hitting football team. They're aggressive. Um, sure, teams can put up points on them, but they come to play. So I, I think this is a team we, we strongly have to consider as one that will make this push into the final wild card spot. And we got to give credit to Derek Carr because now that things are consistent around him, he's been playing at a much better level. I'm watching the throw from this Chargers game. He rolls out to the right. He's got Hunter Renfro deep. Throw on the run and on the money. Just a perfect throw to Hunter Renfro. Uh, so, look, I, I like what they're building in, in Las Vegas. I, I think they're, they've been one of the more impressive teams this year. Just if, you, if you're thinking about... At the beginning of the year, what teams you expected to be bad, what teams you expected to be good, has there been a more shocking team than the Las Vegas Raiders? Let me just think who are some of the best teams around the league. Miami has been a surprise of late. We'll talk about them in just a second. Other teams right now that are really good. A lot of people were on Pittsburgh, higher than I was. They, they, the Raiders might be the most impressive team this season, just comparing... Uh, to to outperforming expectations, five and three, uh, not a terrible schedule the rest of the way either. So I definitely think that this final wild card spot is for them. And of course, I'm saying I believe that the the Colts and t Titans and one of the Steelers and and Ravens will take the first two wild card spots. I think this is Las Vegas is to take. I mean, yeah, the schedule's easy the rest of the way. You know, you've got the Broncos twice. Should be two wins. Maybe you split one and one. You've got the Raiders again. You beat them already once this season. If you lose, it's not a, a detriment. You've got the Falcons, Jets, Chargers, Dolphins, and Colts in there. That That's, to me, at worst, say... Oh, jeez. I mean... Say you win five of those remaining eight say you go five and three the rest of the way then you're taking a look at them as a 10 and six football team which i think is very possible um love what we've been seeing from them right now i'm not i'm not going quick for some reason i, I told myself i would i'm going to spend a little bit more time on this game and then the last three we're kind of going to just push through a little bit dolphins cardinals Fucking great game in Arizona. Um, I was all over Dolphins, uh, plus, what, three and a half. I took them plus five on Sunday, took their money line plus 220. I was all in on the Dolphins beating this team. I think, uh, and look, it wasn't a dominant effort by the Dolphins, but they were able to pull it out. I had my questions about Arizona. I didn't think that, you know, they were, they were, they were benefiting from a really easy schedule in the first half of the season. We have to acknowledge that. Outside of the, one, the two games against the Seahawks and the 49ers, which they won both. Give them credit for it. But aside of those two games, it was a pretty easy first half of their schedule. It gets a little bit tougher now. They're a team that I would worry about maybe falling out of that postseason contention. But let's let's talk about it. Okay, so, so Kyler Murray, first off, just an amazing quarterback. As long as he stays healthy, I have no concerns over size. I have no concerns over arm strength. He is... He is impressive. 21 to 26 for 283, three touchdowns, no picks. Ran 11 times for 106 yards, one touchdown. Against the same defense that absolutely feasted on a guy like Jared Goff a week ago and destroyed a talented Rams offense. So Kyler Murray, great, great performance. Um, the Dolphins, look, Tua, I'm going to give him credit. I liked what I saw. You know, sure, I didn't. I, I, I still would rather have Justin Herbert on this Dolphins team, but I think they can make it work with Tua. I'm a believer in Brian Flores. If if the quarterback is the one question that I have about the team, then that's a good sign. You know, it's the same thing with the Colts. 
The one question I have about their team right now is their quarterback play. You know, Phillip is inconsistent at times. Sure, I worry a little bit about the receiving position, but they're good coaching, good management, good defense, good offensive line. The Dolphins have a lot of good things rolling right now where they don't need to be terrific at the quarterback position. They can risk to throw out Tua and see what they've got there. He was really good. It is a bad Cardinals defense. So now we've gone from seeing him play a really good Rams defense um, and where he didn't have to do much, and now we got to see them play a really bad defense in the Cardinals. So look, it's two games. All that I need to see from Tua is consistent development and, and progress throughout the rest of this season. And from game one to game two, we saw it. So I think that that's a great sign for Miami, who's now 5-3. and three. I mean, could there be, you know, I, I guess, I don't know. I think at some point they fall out of the playoff contention. But right now I'd say that final spot is between, and I said it last week, it's between the Dolphins, the Raiders, and the Browns. And I'm I'm picking the Raiders to make it over those other two. I I really am at this point. Just with the ease of schedule, the Browns, you know, still have to face teams like Pittsburgh and and Baltimore one time each again. Um, But the Dolphins, man, they're they're a fun team. I I told you, I I, got to find the clip and put it out again. As early as midway of last season, I said, look, the Dolphins are going to turn this thing around and they're going to be one of the more successful franchises for this decade that we're currently in. So from 2020 to 2030, I'm, I'm doubling down on it. I think the Dolphins are going to be one of the more consistent playoff teams in the, in, in the National Football League. I think that they'll be contending towards AFC Championship bursts in a few years. I, I think Brian Flores is the first guy where it's like, this is a legit Bill Belichick disciple. He's going to make it work. I've been all in on the Dolphins for over a year now. It's fun to see them start and get the recognition. Uh, now 5-3, and three, an impressive win on the road over Arizona. Three more games. Uh, Steelers-Cowboys. Jesus. Uh, Cowboys finally covered the spread for the first time all season. Um, Steelers, man, that's the one thing with Mike Tomlin throughout his career is they always play up or down to the level of their competition. When you get Baltimore coming in, when you get Tennessee coming in, they play their A game. But when it's against teams, you know, like the Browns a little bit, I don't know, the Browns they kind of took care of, but a team like the Cowboys who are one of the worst teams in football right now, to only win by five and to come from behind for the majority of that game to try and win it, you you got to have questions about about the future uh, or about the the uh, I guess stability of Pittsburgh. You know I just I, I don't know I I wasn't left impressed by it. I, I was kind of left with a sour taste in my mouth also because I teased him down to eight and a half and it was the one leg that didn't hit would have brought me in one hundred fifty. Um, they're eight no. They're going to be a playoff team. I just, I don't know. Something's, something's weird about Pittsburgh, and I think it's Big Ben. I, I think it's Big Ben, and I don't want to come out and just say it, but I think it's Big Ben is my, is my problem with this team. They're another one where I, I would say, like, if you could draft a young guy to sit behind Ben for maybe another season, I don't know. I think there's something that they could do in Pittsburgh, really, with a, with a, a different quarterback. But, hey, they're 8-0. They won 24-19. to They should have lost that game. They pulled it out. They won. Um, and survived to see another week. Last uh, remaining undefeated team. Still don't think that they can uh, can chalk it up with Kansas City, though, at the end of the day. Still not buying it. Saints-Buccaneers, no need to really harp on this one for too long. Just a frustrating game. Uh, Tom Brady's first three-interception game since 2011. They lose 38-3. to I, I don't get how, how you can prepare for a game all week and come out and look like you don't have a plan. The Buccaneers didn't even try to run the, vo- the ball. I mean, that's, that's the crazy stat. Everybody's taking a look at that, and they say there were five carries on, on, uh, by Tampa Bay, and one of those was a QB kneel. It's the fewest rush attempts in NFL history. I, I just I don't, I don't get it. Why were they trying all these deep passes? Were they just trying to come out and destroy them? Like that's, that's not how you plan for an opponent. A tough opponent, too. A team that beat you week one. A team that's got a good record. No, I don't love the Saints. No, I still don't think they're Super Bowl contenders. But how do you go out there with a plan and say, oh, we're just going to throw deep pass concepts and hopefully we just put up 50 points on them? You need to have a balanced offense. Especially when you've got Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette and a good offensive line, a physical offensive line. Run the ball. I don't know if this was Tom saying, I want to come out and just 
throw balls to the wall. We got AB in here, Antonio Brown, uh, or sorry, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin's back, Gronk. Let's just fucking throw it all the time. Why not have a balanced offense? What was the game plan? It, it really worries me because, I mean, I was sold on, on Tampa as, as the team from the NFC to come out through the Super Bowl, but now I'm at this point where it's like, I don't, I don't know. I still feel confident about Kansas City making it to the Super Bowl, and I feel confident about them winning the Super Bowl. But, I mean, you think of the NFC right now. Tampa, to me, still, to me, has the most complete roster. So I still think that they have a good shot, but, I mean, this is twice now where New Orleans has come in and just whooped on them. And then New Orleans barely beats teams like Chicago. Um, you know, you've got the Rams out there that I'm still believers in, but, you know, Jared Goff, when it gets bad, it gets really bad. I don't have a good feel for the NFC right now. You know, the Seahawks also have one of the worst defenses of all time. I am, I, I'm really left confused about this NFC crowd in terms of Super Bowl contenders. Because, like, I don't want to buy into the Saints. I don't. I don't. I, I don't want to do it. I, for three years in a row now, everybody's been hyping up the Saints. They get to the postseason, and it doesn't work out. The roster is worse this year than it was last year. I just, I don't see it. So I, I don't want to buy into what the Saints are cooking up. Tampa has now made me pause and think, okay, what the hell is going on here? Um, questions about Seattle's defense, the Rams. I have questions about Jared Goff. I just don't have a good feel for the NFC right now. And I haven't mentioned the Packers either, who if you're a running football team, usually you can dominate. So really weird, weird game. Just from the start, it just was ugly, and you knew it was over early on. And then the last game to talk about, Monday Night Football. I was all over on the Jets keeping this close. I was. I took them plus uh, 7.5 for the pick show with Teddy. I took them plus 10 before the game started. This Patriots team shouldn't be favored 10 points over anybody. They're a bad team. Their defense is bad. Um, you know, fortunately for them, the Jets are just a little bit worse. So uh, the Patriots won it 30-27. to They're 3-5. and The Jets are 0-9. Neither of these teams are good. This isn't a, oh, we should really be excited about Cam Newton now. No, we shouldn't. It's the Jets. Everybody puts up points on the Jets. He was 27-35 for 274. It was a really big game for Jacoby Myers, which is great to see because, I mean, you just need something out of the wide receiving room at this point with Nikhil Harry down and not good. Julian Edelman having a down year and also now hurt. You needed someone to come up, so it's good to see Jacoby Myers have a great game. Um, you know, catching 12 of his 14 targets for 169 yards. But this isn't. These aren't good. These aren't good teams. You know, the Patriots were really excited about... It seemed like Patriots fans were loving the idea that they beat the Jets by three. Which also, by the way, you're just further cementing the fact that you're going to have to face Trevor Lawrence for the next 15 years. So good luck with that. I just... I mean, man. Weird game. I was really excited for the Jets. I was happy to see. Here's... Okay, here's the last thing that I want to touch on with the Jets, and then we'll finish up this episode. Joe Douglas did a really good job with this draft class. He did a really good job with this draft class. And this is why, for the Jets, I am feeling good moving forward. The GM is doing what every good GM should do when he takes over a terrible situation. You completely gut the roster. You trade away, get as much value in draft picks as you want. If you believe in yourself as a talent evaluator, you do not trade for players that are already experienced in the league you know, already you're on their second or third contract. No, you build it the way that you believe you can through the draft. Take a look at this rookie class. Mekai Becton looks like the best left tackle in this draft class. He's been banged up a couple times, but the talent is so awesome. Denzel Mims in just a few games has been extremely impressive. Four catches for 62 yards last night. Um, Ashton Davis has been hit or miss. Was a hit last night. Terrific safety play out of him. Um, I'm trying to think. And then six-round pick, look, you drafted a punter in the sixth round. It's kind of funny, but he's a great punter. He always gives the defense good field position. I'm in on Joe Douglas. As long as he's able to detach himself from Adam Gase and Sam Darnold at the end of this season. He needs, if, if, if this is actually the way that he's going to build this team, but with his guys... He needs to do that throughout the roster. He can't keep someone else's quarterback, especially when a guy like Trevor Lawrence is available. And Adam Gase, we all know that he should not be a head coach anywhere in this football league. So for the Jets, it was an exciting game. I'm glad you guys got to enjoy almost beating the Patriots. 
0-9 now, so you're still safe with the uh, with you know being able to get a guy like Trevor Lawrence. Moving on from Adam Gase, just be patient. He's doing what every good GM should do after taking over a terrible situation. Get rid of the terrible contracts on the roster. Trade away some guys that are a little bit too overvalued. This Jamal Adams trade is is hands down a steal for the Jets. I, I mean, a steal. People, people heading into this season were saying Jamal Adams is a top 10 player in the NFL. You know, no matter position, overall talent, a top 10 guy. They, able, they were able to optimize that value before the season started, trade him for two first-round picks, a starting caliber safety, and, and, you know, it's paying off. Jamal Adams has been a liability. Seattle had to pay him a ton of money. Uh, the Jet, it was, it's a great trade. I, I'm a fan of Joe Douglas. I think he's going to turn things around as long as ownership will let him move on from Adam and Sam. That's the only thing that will be getting in his way. So hopefully ownership can can let Joe do what he does uh, best, and that's build through, you know, his guys. It needs to be his team if this is going to work in New York. All right, so that's a, an NFL recap that went about 50 minutes, so I apologize for the length on that one. I know I try to keep these in the 30 to 45-minute range. Really appreciate you guys for listening. We'll be back later in this week. Um, some type of episode coming out Thursday. Friday we'll have uh, the Picks Pod with Teddy as uh, we try to get him back over 500 and try to carry on my uh, my success picking uh, against the spread. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening to Quick Hits. My name is Blake Pace. Make sure to follow me over on Twitter at BlakeAndrewPace. As I said in the beginning of the show, like, subscribe, review. I appreciate your feedback. I'll be back later this week, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace.